Brain Injury Today is sponsored by the Washington State Traumatic Brain Injury Council and produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. You know, parents and coaches and athletes need to be educated about concussion. We, we cannot separate safety and participation. They have to be part of the same conversation. We want to make people more physically active. We want to do it in the safest way possible. Welcome to another episode of Brain Injury Today, your connection to the brain injury community. I'm Deborah Crawley, Executive Director of the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington. And today we have two outstanding guests joining us to talk about a really important subject to us at the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington. And really a question that we get all get asked often and wanna make sure folks have a lot of good information on the importance of keeping kids connected and engaged in sports while making sure that we are keeping them safe when they are playing those sports that they love. My two guests are a return appearance from one of my favorite board members, Darren Harris, former board president. He's been part of our podcast before to talk about his journey after suffering a traumatic brain injury during his college football career at the University of Washington. He's an advocate for survivors, and today he runs a football program for youth here in Washington. Thanks, Darren, for coming back. Um, And then we're very excited to have a first-time guest, um, someone I've known pretty much my entire tenure here at the Brain Injury Alliance uh, when I first stepped in, an outstanding individual and physician, Dr. Stan Herring. He's clinical professor of the departments of rehabilitation medicine, orthopedics and sports medicine, and neurological surgery at the University of Washington. He's co-medical director of the UW Medicine Sports Concussion Program, senior medical advisor and co-founder of the Sports Institute at the UW Medicine. He is the Zachary Leistead Sports Concussion Endowed Chair, very close to our hearts again here at the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington, and a team physician for both the Seattle Seahawks and Seattle Mariners. Stan and Darren, welcome to Brain Injury Today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Thank you both, Deborah and Darren. I would I can't think of anywhere else I would want to be right now. Well, you're, you're sitting pretty over on Hood Canal doing the podcast from there. So we're all a little jealous. Um, so thanks for, for joining. Uh, this is a very interesting topic. When we all work or have been engaged in the world of prevention, supporting individuals who've uh, suffered brain injuries, you know, always working towards the highest quality of life and, and the journeys of each individual. Um, and we worked very diligently passing a first in nation um, law to keep kids safe playing the sports they love, the Zachary Leistet law. That legislation was passed across the country, um, all 50 states and the District of Columbia. And, and Stan, I'm going to have you do a nice little overview of the law. Um, to be clear, it was to keep the kids safe 
while playing the sports they love. So Stan, just a, a quick overview of some of the, the key pieces of that. Yeah, sure. Thank you, uh, Deborah. You're right. It is critically important that young people are safe when they play sport. And young people uh, often feel invincible and are really not oriented toward reporting injury, particularly when they're sort of encouraged to tough it up and play. And so we realized that when it came to concussion or brain injury, that we really should try to explain to every athlete, while well, you can have a, you can be tough. No one has a tough brain, you know, and that trying to play with concussion symptoms is uh, really a mistake. And as adults, we may understand that, but it may be harder for kids. You know, and Deborah, long before the youth laws, we, we tried youth education. Mm -hmm. We spoke to coaches and parents and the athletes themselves and school districts and uh, crisscross the state of Washington, really trying to raise awareness. And we found out that education worked sometimes if there was an, uh, an interested coach or an interested administrator, but often that skill was perishable. If the coach went, the information went with her. Mm -hmm. And we realized that schools are rule driven. And given the fact that we absolutely wanted to make sure that kids stayed safe and and we didn't have uh, the preventable tragedy that happened to Zach happen again. The idea came with, with many hands helping of maybe mm -hmm. this should be legislated and under the direction of Richard Adler, who's also been a friend of, uh -huh. of the Washington, uh, of, your, of the Brain Alliance for a long yes. time. Yes. Um, we did work on passing a youth law and it was pretty simple. Mm -hmm. it said, you know, parents and coaches and athletes need to be educated about concussion. And if there was any suspicion of a concussion, the athlete needed to be removed. Mm -hmm. And the athlete could not go back to practice or play until there was written clearance from a licensed healthcare provider trained in the evaluation and management of concussion. That's it. Mm -hmm. Pretty straightforward. Yep. It was not a law in the state of Washington. There was no robust law like that anywhere. There were a few laws that were not quite so thorough. And with much help, including the help from the Brain Injury Alliance, um, we were able to get that law passed in the state of Washington, unanimous consent by mm -hmm. the House and the Senate and the governor signed it. We had no illusions that that would make kids absolutely safe, but we knew it would raise awareness and change behavior. And research has demonstrated that it indeed has done so. Mm -hmm. A bigger alliance was formed and within four years, we were able to get youth concussion laws like the Lystat law passed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. it was a pretty good uh, accomplishment. But once again, the first step or an important step in raising awareness and changing behavior, but it does not preclude us from our continued education, advocacy and monitoring. Yeah. And so, so yeah, the law was there and I think it's, it really did great things for what you just said. It educated folks about it and with schools and everyone, you know, it was a rule that had to be followed. I've heard you say this at some of our concussion summits, you know, the laws were there, but it's still the adults who had to make sure that the kids were following it. Like you said, kids went always, you know, state, but, but it was a, it was, it was a good thing. And it made a huge difference here in this state. I mean, we went for years without, as we would say, having a Friday night flight, you know, that we weren't having the same catastrophic injuries. And that was the goal, right? Yes. And, you know, it's, you're right. I mean, it was a culture change. I grew up 
uh, as a, a young boy. Um, when I played uh, football as a young boy, you were told that if you drank water, that was a sign of weakness. <laughs> and, 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 that's, and that is completely unacceptable now. The culture has changed around that. Right. We want to make the culture change around. It's completely unacceptable if uh, a young boy or girl plays with any symptoms of a concussion. That should not be ex acceptable in any context. I think we're getting there. Yeah. And the nice thing about the lifestyle laws is they many have been modified and expanded. So as we learn more and as right. our society accepts more, we've been able to expand the, the reach of many of those laws. So yes, awareness, behavior change, change the culture and set the stage for us to be more effective educators. I love it. And what I love most is it, it, it set up to where it was a safer place for kids to be engaged because the other flip of really our discussion today is even though all three of us, Darren, Dr. Herring, myself and the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington have worked diligently to, to ensure that in all sports, so let's make sure folks are clear and hearing that, these are for all sports. Anything where, these, where an injury can occur, that it's a safer place for the kids to be and that they, so that they continue to be engaged. Um, because often I am, people have said to me, well, you're anti, you know, you're anti-football. You must be, BIA must be anti-football. And I'm, you know, I have this, well, no, actually we're not. We're very pro making sports as safe as they can be and keeping these kids safe because the whole idea is actually to keep them engaged. That is one of the greatest things that comes out of the Lystedt legislation is that the kids can stay engaged in sports because they're being monitored and it's a safe environment. And I think that's part of what I want to discuss, you know, with Darren, you're a coach, you had a brain injury, if an, a concussion playing for the Huskies, ended your career. But you got to where you are. And you've, you've mentioned this to me many times about how important being part of a team of participating in sports was so important to you. You're, you're a coach yeah. and you're knowledgeable. And it's really what Stan was talking about is the, the education and how you educate the other parents and coaches and kids that you're working with. Uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, initially I didn't want to be a part of football after I, uh, I got hurt. I couldn't even watch it. And that's probably because of, you know, having the, the dream to play at the next level and those things, um, then that not being obtainable at some point. So, but then I realized that, you know, I've learned, learned such a great deal within, within this, uh, you know, sports and, you know, looking back at like my, my childhood, like all of it was sports, mm -hmm. you know, I have friends today that we're, that I'm still friends with, um, you know, when we, we compete against each other, um, in, in numerous ways. Um, <laughs> and then just learning, you know, just learning the intangible skills. Like I've like, you know, just to be quite honest, like I've dated women that, that never played that never played a team sport uh -huh. and uh and they didn't have the team <laughs> team type of skills within our relationship um and uh, that's one of my qualifications now <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um but you know all that said i I'm, I'm i just i believe it's you, you know you develop you know develop camaraderie you learn how to work as a team uh you know one common goal 
and, yeah. and, and it gives you like a dry run at life. If I hadn't played sports and I hadn't gone through the, the, the things I'd gone to, gone to, cause you know, I don't know if many people know this. I had a cracked vertebrae at the university of Washington. And, uh, uh I don't know if, uh, Dr. Herring remembers this. He was my doctor. Um, wow. and, um, yeah, I had to sit out for a year. Um, and, uh, it was, it was, that was hard. That was hard, you know, mentally, but, I think, you know, having something like that and persevering and coming back from that and being able to have success and see success is a, is a vital part of who I am today. You know, being in an adverse situation, being able to overcome that. Um, and then, you know, that might have prepared me for what I had to go through the following year when I was able to play and I got hurt, had a, a, a brain injury and my life was changed forever. Um, but and, you know, all in all, I'm saying, I'm saying, I said that to say this is that, you know, sports are something that it's, it's, it's a part of my life. And I, and I, I really love every part of every part of it. You know, Darren is, is quite a remarkable story. And he, of course, I remember taking care of him. I remember his courage and his dedication. Um, but when you talk to, to athletes, whether it's football or almost any other sport, and they've had an injury or serious injuries for the great part, they they don't, they, they still love the, what sports mm -hmm. brought them. His message is very important. We don't want mm -hmm. anyone to get hurt. And certainly, listen, if you play sports, there's a chance of getting injured. There's, yeah. you know, there's we, we know that. You're right. But, you know, if you do everything you can on the safety side, I've, I've been touched by my uh, patients who have suffered the most significant injuries or have been the most challenging injuries. They really have not fallen out of love with the, what sports brought them. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important, very important message. I would argue that Darren might not be where he was today if it wasn't for his life as an athlete. Injuries I, I, included. I, I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. I would, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to put in words at times, but it's this relationship I have with sports. It's, it's, it's developed who I am today. Um, it's great. <laughs> and and there is no question. And you heard Darren speak this, Deborah. There, the, the research, the data does show that if you play a team sports, your self-esteem and your social skills are better developed. I mean, Absolutely. The, the data shows that. And, and it also shows that if you're active as a child and play sports, you have better focus. You learn faster. You're a better student. There's a less chance you're going to be depressed. I mean, there are a lot of upsides. And I, I think it's always important. And every time I have this conversation with an audience, I always temper it by saying this does not give us license to ignore the injury part. I mean, we Correct. absolutely have to do everything we can to keep participation safe. However, if you want to really increase a young person's chance of dying young or having mental illness or having chronic neurologic disease or not doing well in school or being socially maladapted, then just make them physically inactive. Mm -hmm. And herein lies the dilemma. Physical inactivity is a terrible thing to do to someone. It has extraordinarily uh, poor outcome issues. Being physically inactive is what we call a standalone risk factor, meaning it's the, if you only look at that, currently is the fourth leading cause of death in the world. Wow. Yeah. I never heard that. So it is truly a risk factor right. for evidence. As a matter of fact, some believe that a better predictor for heart disease than smoking is being physically inactive. It's a bigger risk to develop heart disease than smoking. 
These are powerful statements. And it just shows you that we, we cannot separate safety and participation. They have to be part of the same conversation. And I think that's, I think that's it today is that idea of how the safety and participation because, and Darren, what I was going to say to you was when you're working with your young guys yeah. and I, I think they're what, 13 to 16 or somewhere uh, around there. Yeah. I primarily work with high schoolers. And, and you've mentioned to me before is you have expectations, you know, it's kind of not just how they play on the field, but you've talked to me about being part of that as an expectation of who they are, how they act, how they're treating each other. And I think, again, things that they're learning, learning from someone like you, but just being participatory in a team sport. And I just talk about that because I, I love when you do. And I think you, you know, you have examples of why it's important to you to pass those things along to these young folks. Yeah. So typically, you know, um, when, you know, the gender people that we're coaching are, are males and, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we're trying to teach guys to become, um, you know, good men within their communities. So we ask a lot of them. So we ask them to maintain a certain GPA. Um, and then, and then we provide the resources if they can't, you know, achieve those things like a study table and um, uh, academic counselors and whatnot. Uh, we ask them to go out to their communities and, um, you know, give back. And then we, then we ask them just to be good men in their community. Um, so, you know, those are the things I, I when, you, when you're a coach, you have, you have somewhat of like a, almost, you have almost of a better relationship with the kid than sometimes like a, a parent at times. Um, you know, you can talk to them about pretty much anything, like the door is wide open. Um, so, you know, you're in a, a position where you can influence a kid in, in a positive direction if they have negative influences at home. Um, and and that's, that's, that's why I love it. I, I feel like I'm, I'm in a position to influence uh, the next generation. And that's what kind of sports kind of provides. I was talking to somebody one time and um, and uh, they had never felt that feeling of when you're like you're running a like you're running or working out, and you're at the point of of like exhaustion, but you're you're mentally strong, and you push through something, and then you feel this this uh, this this excitement or happiness, euphoria at the end. And they had never experienced that, and that was crazy to me. And I was like, wow, you never experienced that. Uh, and then, you know, then we started. I started coaching that person, and then they felt that feeling, and then they fell in love with it. And then it's like, you know, that feeling can be, it can happen over and over and over again in anything that you do within your life. Um, and, and it was, I thought it was really cool that I gave them that, or I helped give them that point of reference. And I hopefully, you know, they'll do, they'll do, be doing good things and chasing that feeling that they felt uh, when they pushed themselves to the, to their, 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 their thought uh, max at the time. So. Right. What, what can you do? And yeah, we all have our, we have our, mental limits and our physical limits, but there is that piece of, you know, can I, can I do more? Can I, can I do more? And again, with kids, the idea is, can they do more with having folks who, who know the protocols, the safety piece that it's set there for them? I played what would be considered an individual sport, but I was still part of a team as a young, a young woman, you know, this is years ago, but after title nine and it's, you know, made a big difference. I would play, I'm a, I was a tennis player. 
I'm pretty good for my little area of Wisconsin and, but I still had a team, right? So there, there were other girls and especially for young women, same idea is how much was I able to be more accomplished that in my life, you know, from negotiations with folks to learning how to talk to adults in appropriate ways, you know, all of these things that aren't my parents, just what you said, Darren, adults who were not my parents, how do I have a relationship with someone else who's in a position of authority? How much did I learn from being part of that team? What Darren said about his ability to change the lives of young boys and, and, and every your own experience as an athlete really confirm this issue of the life lessons that athletes that athletes teach you. It almost sounds like a cliche, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, it turns out that your self-esteem and your socialization is better. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be very careful too, um, not to be guilty of microaggression, you know, sort of flippantly telling a child to t- change sports because we think it's too dangerous. Oh, they yeah. may not have the opportunity to change the sport or there's that's and Darren may argue with you that that the risk of a contact or collision sport for a young man is outweighed by the safety and the education and the security. I mean, Darren may be the safest place that that child can be for a lot of reasons. So yeah. I, right. I'm always very careful to not say, well, why don't you go you know, play tennis or do or do a non-contact sport? It may not be an option. So you need to learn to listen to your athlete. Mm-hmm. And I want to be, I think that's very careful. So as we try to give advice, it needs to, as the social workers say, treat the patient where they're at, mm-hmm. you know, understand their world and what their options are. Uh, and I think we need to be very careful about that. Uh, Deborah, your con- comment about as a young uh, girl, you felt the confidence that sports brings you, that is still very clear. Mm-hmm. We obviously have a lot of work to go to get to in terms of gender equality, but young uh Girls who play sports build confidence and, and a lot of CEOs of businesses who are female were athletes as, as, as girls. And so there's so much sort of equality opportunity here, right. you know, to give people to let to let all genders develop self-esteem. I, I think we can't underestimate the sociology of that. Um, the other thing is that people who are active as kids have a greater yeah. chance of staying active as adults. And I, I cannot underestimate um, the importance of that in this conversation. You know, listen, exercise, it's almost like the magic elixir. There are mm-hmm. 13 different types of cancer which can be significantly decreased in frequency if you exercise. Diabetes, heart disease, right. hypertension, Alzheimer's. I mean, it's, it's really quite extraordinary. You know what? And the dose of exercise to do that is not that much. As an adult, if you exercise to a moderate degree, you kind of like a brisk walk, 30 minutes a day, five days a week, you, you dramatically decrease your, your chance of heart right. disease. But even with those minor guidelines, about 20% of adults get the recommended daily dose of exercise. Now, what's even equally alarming, if not more, is about 75% of kids in high school don't get it either. Yeah. As a matter of fact, half of all kids are out of organized sports by the time they're 12. And it is the argument of the Sports Institute and my personal argument that we need to address lifelong fitness as a true public health crisis. Yes. Because if we do not do so, 
we are going to spend an extraordinary amount of resources trying to help people too far down the pike when they have multiple, multiple what we call comorbidities. They're just too yeah. sick. Yeah. Deborah, our mission is to increase participation and safety in sport. Yeah. We want to there make it people, is. Yeah. We want to make people more physically active. We want to do it in the safest way possible. It, and that's the whole that, point that of makes this me, podcast. Uh, right. That makes me <laughs> an easy friend of the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington. <laughs> But I think it's important. And, you know, the reason I wanted this conversation to happen is to have both of you discussing from, you know, Darren's personal experience and yet con continued commitment to ensuring there is a whole nother group of young men in his instance who are participating. They're getting all of the benefits from being part of a team sport and then having you on Stan as that expert. I mean, I, I just, so many folks were coming up when we discussed brain injuries in particular, and I wanted, this is a public forum to be able to say, hey, we're always moving, moving it to be safer and safer, but that we're always encouraging and encouraging those kids to find their passion, find that sports passion of their own, as you said, Stan, so that they keep with it. So now they're not, you know, dropping out, you know, at age 12. That's a, that's a tough statistic. Uh, you know. Deborah, when you realize that the average amount of screen time for adolescents in the United States is seven hours and 12 minutes a day. Huh. It's an oh extraordinarily God. high number. So um, there's work to do here. And, you know, Deborah, I like this. Of course, there's a, a, a alliance between the Brangy and Alliance and, and our Institute, you know, the parents are part of this too. I get this question yeah. all the time. People say, well, you know, what do I do? And I see you, you can do a lot of things. I mean, you can, you can advocate for your children. So if, if my son was going to be coached by Darren, I would have some questions for him. You know, Darren, you know, what's your emergency medical action plan? What education and training do you have? I mean, the parents can find out if their son or daughter is in an environment where there is a focus on safety. Definitely. And that's something that we've, uh, that we've done with the organization I work with is that we have, we have, um, um, physical tra trainers on this, on our sidelines at every practice, we require our kids to wear helmets. Uh, we won't play in a tournament if we don't require to wear helmets. You know, there's, there's been times where, um, you know, kids had got their bumped their head and, you know, they had to sit out with the concussion protocol. Um, and, and that's, and I'd like to think that's because I've been there. You know, so people ask me, why, why do I still want to be involved in coaching? Um, or, well, I'd rather be the person to help and then sit in the sidelines and stuff go the other way where we don't want it to go. So, yeah. And athletes listen to their coaches. You listen to your coach, Darren. They listen oh, yeah. to their coaches. And if a coach sets the culture, then the whole right. team is safer. And yes, if you're one thing as a parent if your school is lucky enough to have a licensed or certified athletic trainer, that's a huge safety piece. Ask mm -hmm. the question. Yeah. Is this something the school district has? If not, how can we work toward that? I mean, there are, there are many ways that we can all work together and there are many organizations that want to make this safe. And so I think the parents certainly should be empowered to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, ultimately, I mean, that's one thing I feel really good about, you know, is the work that all of us have done is it, it is a safer environment for kids. And so they, they should be participating more. 
because yeah. it's better, not, not less. Yeah. You know, the hard work we have done in the world of prevention for brain injuries just seamlessly bonds with the importance of keeping kids safe, playing the sports they love. That was our tagline. And it, and it really meant to me, I, I actually made it up and it really meant to me the idea of getting them to play, you know, getting them out there, having them play all of that good, all of that they gained from it. Even I, you know, we didn't mention this one thing. I really think kids in sports, it's that idea of empathy, you know, believe it or not, you're competitive on the field, but with your own teammates that you bond with, there's so many pieces of, of development that kids get out of it, including, you know, this is my team and this is who I care about. And that is another piece that, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of, you know, discourse in our, in our country right now, but you, you, you play sports with all different kids, you know, it's everyone's coming from a way different place, right? So they're growing up with different standards and different, you know, backgrounds and religious and everything. And it's such a melting pot when you get on the field, right? When you're with the team. Like Darren will tell you, you can't talk your way into the end zone, can you, Darren? You got to head down and work. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, and to, to that issue and, and not to get um, too far afield, this also is a conversation we must have in the context of diversity, equality, and social justice. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot exercise if you have um, food anxiety. You cannot exercise right. if you cannot make a decent wage and work. So we need to make exercise applicable for all. And that, and that means that you need a safe place to exercise. You know, Darren, when we went into some of these elementary schools, the teachers would say the only place that these young people can safely exercise is on the school grounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if, if they go home and both parents are working and, and, and there's not enough food in the cupboard and there's, and there's danger in their neighborhood, the exercise cannot be a primary focus. So yeah. to me, part of the social justice piece here is that, that there needs to be equality for a lot of reasons, but we, it, it is prejudicial if we deny people with less means the opportunity to exercise. We are giving them a lifelong sentence of poor health. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this conversation really fits into the social justice conversation. And I hope it doesn't get lost with all the other critical issues. One real benefit of making the world a more equal and better place is that everyone's going to have access to this life-saving opportunity. Hey, Darren, I remember yeah. you speaking to that whole piece of ensuring that all of your young men could participate and that you do a lot of fundraising separately just because you know the cost to participate is another barrier for a lot of young guys and and I remember you mentioning some of the pieces that you guys were doing just to help them be able to be on the field yeah it's a um, you know the organization I work with that's a a for-profit business and you know people have families and have to you know have bills and things so some of the kids that we, you know, that we're working with, they're, they're unable to, they're not able to afford it. Um, so we, we, um, we raise money um, mm-hmm. so they can, so they can participate just like you mentioned there. Um, 
you know, and some, you know, some, some athletes, you know, that play at, at the higher level, you know, they'll, um, they'll sponsor a groups, groups of kids uh, so that they can participate and, um, you know, and they can, they can literally change their life. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, that's, sorry, I lost my, my train of thought habit sometimes, you know, brain injury, <laughs> but it's okay. But, <laughs> but, um, I, but yeah, I have, it's, I have news for you, Darren. It doesn't, it, it happens anyway. So yeah, I know. No, I, no, I, apologies. <laughs> no apologies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a part of it too. We realized early on that it's, um, not everybody can afford it. So you know, that and, doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to participate. Right. And, and Darren, I, you know, what a powerful message. Right. You know, it, it is as essential as the lifestyle law. They, they cannot be untangled. They, yeah, they so need to go together. Right. We want, we want brain health and safety for all mm-hmm. kids, regardless of their socioeconomic, racial or other status. Right. Right. We want the same thing for exercise. Well, this has been a quick, you see, it went fast. I told you having a conversation, there's always so much to talk about. And this is a subject um, for all of those reasons and all of the benefits of exercise. I just did want to do a session, a podcast that said, you know, the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington is pro-exercise and keeping those kids on the field, keeping them engaged in sports. There was so much to benefit from. I just wanted to have my favorite expert, Dr. Stan Herring, and my favorite on the ground, making it happen, working with the kids one-on-one, Darren Harris, to be part of this podcast. So thank you to both of you for all your work on behalf of brain injury survivors. Thank you. What a, a wonderful podcast. I was so happy to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brain Injury Today. If you want to get in touch with either of our guests, you can find their information in the show notes for this episode. And be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, so you never miss an episode. We'd love to get a rating, and we hope you share this with your friends and family. So for another edition of Brain Entry Today, thank you for joining us and we'll chat soon. Take care.